Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. We're going to get started this morning as soon as we can make it back to our seats this morning. And as we are quickly scurrying to our seats, some of us and those of us are sitting, I'm going to ask if we could all stand this morning. And as you stand, I'm going to ask you to turn to the New Testament book of Mark. And we're going to be in chapter 2 this morning of the New Testament Gospel, the book of Mark, chapter 2. We're going to be starting at verse 14 today. Verse 14. As you quickly go, whether you're going to be your Bible or it's going to be on screen this morning or or your app this morning, just want to take time to give honor to Sister Valerie's here today. Pastor is now with us. And then honor to Bishop and and Sister Linda today. Got to give honor where honor is due. Got to give honor where honor is due. All right, I hear some pages still still flipping. If you're there, though, say amen. And if you're not, say hold on. Bo, Bo, you don't even have your Bible. How are you in the crowd of the hold ons? <laughs> he just he's just so obedient. All right, the Book of Mark, chapter two, verse fourteen. The Bible says, and as he passed by. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. Verse 16, and when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and with sinners? Finally, verse 17, the Bible says, When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I, am co- I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. To repentance. And before you're seated this morning, I'm going to ask if you could lift a hand, uh, two if you got them, and, and just your uh, voice today. We're going to ask the Lord to add a blessing to the word this morning. Lord, we just thank you for gathering us back again today in your house, Lord. It's, it's a good house. It's a good place to be. It's the house of prayer. It's praise and it's worship that's here in this house. And I know that we haven't gathered today by accident, Lord Jesus. We haven't gathered today by coincidence. It's not chance or happenstance that we're here today, but everyone that's in this place today, Lord God, is supposed to be here, Lord God. Everyone that's in this place today, Lord God, you brought us here, Lord God, specifically for this moment and this time. I know that you have a word for us, some instruction for us, some guidance, some clarity, Lord God, maybe even a revelation for us this morning, Lord. And I just thank you. Whatever you do, Lord God, I I thank you for it, Lord God. I know that whatever happens today, it's from you. It's going to be right, and it's going to be good. Hallelujah. And if you ever, as you have a seat this morning, can you clap your hands and just uh, honor the Lord in this house this morning. So for the time that is ours to share this morning, for the time that is ours to share this morning, I'm just checking my time because we know time doesn't like us. It runs away. It sneaks away. It's the, it's the enemy and it likes to run faster from me than most, for most apparently. So I'm checking the time and I'm going to Keep checking it to make sure we stay, I stay on task today. All right, so for the time that is ours to share this morning, I want to speak to you on a simple subject, uh, simply answering the call to repentance. All right, answering the call to repentance. Now, we read in the second book of Mark, uh, uh, we started at verse 14 and all the way to verse 17. All right, and in in verse 2, correction, in verse 17, of chapter 2, Jesus references this dreaded R word. And uh, our flesh doesn't like this R word. And if you were reading along with me, that it's repentance. All right, repentance. And that uh, 
R word is directly related to the, the F word. And not the F word some of you might be thinking about. This is, this is the church of God. This is a holy place. But our flesh still doesn't like this word either. All right, this word is, is, is directly related to forgiveness. All right, that's, that's the word I was talking about this morning. That's, this is the house of God. That's the first word and the only word that came to my mind. And because you guys are holy too, I know that was the only word that came into your minds. The Bible talks a lot about forgiveness. You know, it's important that we're able to forgive one another. We have to be able to say these words, Angelita, I forgive you. For all the stuff you haven't done yet, Angelita, I know you for a long time. There's going to be some stuff I'm going to need to forgive you for, Angelita. I forgive you in advance. And, see, look at that. Thank you. See, she received it. So we have to be able to uh, forgive one another, but it's, it's even more important that we understand that we have to ask for forgiveness, all right, for, for every deed, action, or thought, right, that separates us from God. We have to go to God and ask him to forgive us. But again, our, our flesh doesn't want that. Our flesh doesn't like that. It doesn't want to hear that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, the Bible says, But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. So this morning I wasn't able to forgive Angelita. Then I'd have a problem with, with my heavenly father. He said, if you, you're not able to do that, then we're going to have issues. We're going to have problems. So the first thing you're going to have to do is, is uh, forgive each other. Learn to do that. Learn to do that. And then, then I can forgive you when you come to me. And that's what we're going to be talking about today again, answering that call to repentance. And for most of us right now, for most of us right now, if our phones were, were to begin to ring, it would be an inconvenience. And I did say for most of us. For most of us right now, if our phones began to ring, it, it would be an inconvenience. And it would be an inconvenience because now is not a good time to talk. We're in Sunday school. It's time for the word of the Lord to, to go forth. It's not a good time right now. All right, for, for, for most of us, if the phone began to, to ring right now, we, we'd look down at it. You know, we'd look at it. Okay, do that. Okay. We would look at it, and when we see what the caller ID says, maybe it's just a number, and maybe it would be the person's face, right? But we would look at it, and we'd say to ourselves silently, I'll call them back later. We said, it's not a good time. It's not a good time right now. But that's just one response, right? Because there's another response right, that most of us, if not all of us, are familiar with and, and we can relate to because we've, we've done it a time or two. Right? Both responses Right, have the same origin and, and genesis and, and beginning. See, the, the phone rings. We look at the phone. We see who's on the caller ID. At this time, we don't say, I'm going to call them back later. This time, we might say some other words. There will be some facial expressions, all right, some other body language, all right, maybe some hand gestures. I don't know, all right, because the biggest difference between this time is that we don't want to talk to this person who's called us, all right? We, we don't. Even if it wasn't an inconvenience, I still wouldn't want to talk to this person, all right? And I don't want there to be any confusion this morning because I know first you're, you're thinking about, yeah, yeah, it's that 800 number. It's that blocked number, all right? It's that unknown caller, right? No, I'm not talking about that one. I'm, I'm talking about uh, some of us are related to that person that called us that we don't want to talk to. Some of us, were married to that person. There's a, there's a shame of it. There's a shame of it, but some of us, we gave birth to that person. But right now, I don't, I don't want to talk to this person. And if I could find, I don't know, four honest people, it's just sometimes we need a break. Sometimes we need a break, and, and we, we don't want to talk to these people. And, you know, we're not going to answer the call, and we'll talk to them when we talk to them. All right, we see them when we see them. And that's how it is sometimes with, with answering the call to repentance. You know, sometimes we, we just don't want to hear it. Right? Sometimes we just don't, we don't want to hear it. You know, and sometimes we, you know, we swipe, we, we decline, you know, hit the side button real quick. All right, cause we don't, we don't want to answer that call to repentance in our, within our spirits. It's, it's inconvenient for us where right? we think that we can ignore it and, and live without it, 
you know, we'll talk about it as we get through this thing, but that call to repentance, repentance that's, that's actually a commandment straight from the Lord. It's, it's necessary. It's vital. It's not something that we can indeed live without and have communion and connection uh, to God without. So, you know, I, I'm using this um, example in, of, of, you know, the phone call, you know. But I'm sure that I'm not the only one that's in this room right now that there's been some times where I was like, mm-mm, not right now. And then later, I realized that I probably should have answered the call because I, I needed to. And because I ignored that call, then there's some, there's some regret, Right, there's some regret. There's some disappointment. There's definitely, um, I realize, looking back, hindsight being 2020, I should have answered that call. And and that's the same way we go with repentance. When we finally do answer that call, we're like, man, what took me so long? Right, why did I ignore that call previously on so many so many occasions? And that's okay. And that's okay that you know most of us it works out. Most of us, it works out for the good still that if we did ignore the first time, there will be another opportunity come along someplace. That's, that's why we're all in this room right now, because another opportunity came along when we didn't answer that first call. So in our text, in our text, we, we find that Jesus is in Capernaum with some of his disciples in the home of his, his newest disciple, Matthew. And Jesus is enjoying a, a nice meal with, with everyone who's in attendance. And uh, there's a problem, though. There's a problem, though, uh, the scribes and, and the Pharisees, the religious elites of the day, they see Jesus and he's surrounded by uh, the tax collectors and, and, and uh, uh, publicans is what the Bible says. But he, he's surrounded by these tax collectors and, and the sinners. And, yeah, Jesus is sitting down, he's eating, he's, he's, he's drinking, he's breaking bread with them. And these scribes, these Pharisees, they're hanging around and they see this and they're not happy. They don't like what's going on right now. And they begin to, to wonder aloud, all right? And they're, they're going to ask each other questions, but loud enough the disciples can hear. And sometimes, and actually they did uh, question the disciples. And they said, why is this man, Jesus, associating with these sinners? <laughs> what is going on right now? Uh, we're, we're confused. He's hanging out with these people who are willfully and consciously deciding and choosing not to follow the law. What is happening? All right, why is this man, Jesus, associating with these tax collectors, these publicans, these, these traitors, uh, these men who, who steal from us and, you know, they enrich themselves at our expense? And to top it all off, to make it worse, they're even working with and for our Roman oppressors. They're like, does he not understand? This is not how we do things around here. All right, where, where y'all from? <laughs> you know, you know. Sometimes I don't know. I look, I know pretty much everyone in my neighborhood. You know, sometimes you see a car roll through. You know, they're not from around here. <laughs> and you watch them a little closer. You know, what, what's going on here? You know, they're not from here. Right, and I kind of feel that's what's that's what's happening here. It's like, you know, this is not how we do things. Right? This is not how we we do things. And that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying here, but, you know, there's so much to love about Jesus. <laughs> you know, there, there really is. And, and one, here, though, something sticks out to me, and I was, as I was studying and preparing, I, I was reminded here that, you know, nothing phases Jesus. Right? Nothing phases him. He, he's always cool and, and under control and, 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 and greater in control. You know, I, he's never rattled. In fact, really, the more flustered or, or befuddled the, the religious elite appear to be, the, the more cool, the more calm and collected that, that appears that Jesus is. You're not going to phase him with your questions. You're not going to rattle him with, with your doubt or, or, or your contempt for him. You're not going to do it. All right? He's always in control. He's, he's always under control. He had a simple response, and that's what we read uh, Jesus did in, in verse 17 of Mark chapter 2. A simple response to these questions that were being uh, pondered aloud. He said, um, they that are whole, right, they have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. Right? I came not to call the righteous, but, but sinners to repentance. 
Jesus is always the, the sharpest blade in the box. You know, he, he can cut you and you don't even know it. All right? That's how Jesus rolls, right? His message is simple. I am exactly where I need to be, right? And exactly with the people that I need to be with. And guess what? I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing because I'm, I'm setting the example of the way that this should be done. Right? I'm setting the example. You guys shouldn't be talking about me. You should be learning from me and doing as I'm doing. All right, that's what should be happening here, but, but that's not what's happening. All right, that's not the account that we read. So in verse 17, that word there, uh, righteous, in the Greek, uh, dikaios, or dikaios, D-I-K-A-I-O-S, meaning innocent or, or holy. Jesus in this moment is saying that right now his concern is not for those in attendance who consider themselves to be of, of excellent virtue, right, of, of uh, the morally right, the, the justifiable. He's calling sinners. He's calling sinners to, to repentance. And really this is a slight against these uh, scribes and Pharisees, these, uh, religious, uh, the, the religious elitism of these men because, because we know, right, we know that all have sinned. You know, they should know it too. They got the word. Right. These guys, they, they know everything. But that's what they presumed to. All right. So we know it, so they should know it. All right. A few years later, though, that you know. But they should know it. Right. They, Romans 3.23, very familiar to most of us, if not all of us. Romans 3.23, for, for, for all, right? For all have sinned and, and, and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have sinned. Romans 3 and 10, so a few verses before that, speaking of the, the, the righteous, right? the Bible is simple. The, the, author says, the author says there is none righteous. Right? There is none righteous, no, not one. Isaiah goes a little further. Uh, Isaiah 64 and verse 6. Isaiah 64 and verse 6, the Bible says, um, it talks about the, 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 the value of our righteousness. It says, um, but we are, well, we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is as filthy rags. The Bible says that we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, they have taken us away. They've taken us away. We're all sinners, and, and there's none of us righteous. <laughs> so Jesus is talking to all of us. He's talking to all of us. All right, he came for you and he, he came for me. And we're the ones that need to go to him in, in repentance and so that we can have communion with him. All right. it's, it's not set apart, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. It's not set apart for anyone in particular, for anyone special. We, we are the particular. All right. we, we, are the, we are the chosen. We are the peculiar. We are who he came for, all of us, everyone in this room. All right. We can all come to him. All right, and, and cast our cares, our cares upon him. So Jesus let everyone know that he was calling sinners to repentance. The scribes and Pharisees, they missed the point that we, meant, we talked about. That. They missed the point. They were so concerned about what Jesus was doing, sitting and eating with the tax collectors and with the sinners, that they didn't realize that that's exactly where they should have been also. They were in the wrong position. Their posture was all, it was all jacked. It was, it was incorrect, right? They needed to be where Jesus was, right? They needed to be where Jesus was. So we talked about the righteous, right? And the second half of that being um, he called uh, sinners right, to repentance. So that word in verse 17 of Mark chapter 2, there, repent, or, yeah, repent, all right? The Greek there is uh, metanoeo, and, yeah, M-E-T-A-N. O-E-O. Give it again. M-E-T-A-N-O-E-O. All right. And here it's saying that uh, to repent, we think differently, right? As to change one's mind for the better. To amend with, big word, abhorrence. So a feeling of repulsion or uh, loathing, right? One's past sin. So we should, we should loathe our, our sin, right? When we think about the, the sin that we've left behind, there should be a, a disgust. Right? That's how we should consider it. We should be repulsed by it. So, because our minds are different. Right? When we repent, our minds are, are changed, 
our minds are changed so that thing in our past now, we just we think differently about it. We, we feel differently about it. There should be a turning, right, with contrition. So we look for remorse or regret, all right, remorse, regret, and, and, and sorrow, and sorrow as we turn from sin to God, as we turn from sin to God. And this turning away, right, this turning away is a uh, literal concept, a literal concept because repentance is not only a changing of the mind we just talked about, not just a changing of the mind, but also a, a physical change. We must turn away from people or, or places and circumstances that, that, that caused us to sin in the first place. We have to turn away from those people, those places, those circumstances that caused us to sin in the first place. And because re- repetition is the key to retention, we have to turn away from those places, those people, those situations that caused us to sin in the first place. All right, we just, we, we have to. There has to be a, an overt determination to, to do what? To pursue purity and to do what pleases God. All right, pursue purity and pursue what pleases God. Romans chapter 13, verse 14, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. What, what does that mean? We got to turn away from the places, the people, and the circumstances right? that cause us to sin in, in the first place. The thing that our flesh is calling us to, right? The things that our, our flesh is desiring, we have to turn away from those things. We have to be looking, what, towards Christ, all right? We have to look towards Christ. We, we can't make provisions for, for this thing, yeah, this flesh, all right? We can't do that. All right, we can't do that. All right, that's going to be a bad decision. That's going to lead us towards our demise and not our strength. Our demise and not our strength. When we repent, right, when we repent, we must come to God in humility and, and in honesty, right? Humility and in honesty. We're going to go to Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen. So I'm, I'm coming in humility and I'm coming in honesty. I, I have to say that 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 I'm wrong, uh, and I have to say that yeah, I've I've sinned. Uh, even further, I got to admit that that I've grieved God, because in the end, that's the greater thing, right? Yeah, I, I admit that that I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. I admit that yes, I'm, I've sinned. And I've indeed grieved God. So I'm coming in humility and in honesty to God when I, when I come to repent. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, If my people, which are called by my name, right, they shall humble themselves right, and, and pray and seek my face and turn. There's that turning again from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. All the things that will happen, right, when we come to God because he wants to do these things, right? He wants us to come. He wants us to repent. He wants us to ask him to forgive us of our sins, the, the deeds, the actions, the thought, the desires that were uh, displeasing to him. Right? He wants us to. He wants us to turn from our, our wicked ways. He wants us to turn from our evil ways. He wants us to hear his voice, right? He wants us to hear his voice. That's his plan for us, right? That's what he wants for you and I. God wants to forgive us our sins. He wants to extend his grace to us. He wants to cover us with his mercy. He loves us, and his forgiveness is, you know, it's the ultimate um, act or the ultimate example or expression of his love towards us, his ultimate expression of his love towards us. So we're talking about answering the call to repentance, answering the call to repentance, repentance. And my first point tonight, or this morning, my first point this morning uh, referencing answering the call to repentance is simple that uh, repentance prepares the way of the Lord. Answer, more specifically, answering the call to repentance 
prepares the way of the Lord. Answering the call to repentance prepares the way of the Lord. As much as much love as God has for us, if we do not first repent, our sins will separate us from him. Repentance prepare, prepares the way for reconciliation with the Lord. Answering the call to repentance prepares the way for the Lord, but, it, but, but so did that in the initial message of repentance. And he who first preached this message of repentance, and here I'm referring to, to John the Baptist. And the Bible literally says that he prepared the way of the Lord. And we're going to read here in, in, the, in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The book of Mark, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The Bible says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Verse 4, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins as he did eat locusts and wild honey. Verse 7, and preached, saying, there cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Finally, in verse 8, I indeed have baptized with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And in the text we just read, Isaiah, in verse 2, it references, as it is written in the prophets, right, and it's referencing here, one of the prophets it's referencing is, 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 is Isaiah. Isaiah, because way back in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, Isaiah prophesied of this man, John the Baptist. Right, the, the Bible says, and it will sound familiar to you, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord makes straight in the desert a highway for our Lord. Verse 4, every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. Verse 5, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. John the Baptist, he had his, his own style. He had his own style and he had his own way of doing things. But his arrival on the scene, right, it should have been no surprise to those, you know, who were familiar with, with Scripture. And we read about it, Isaiah, and we read Mark, and then show you in Isaiah. You know, and again, I'm, I'm talking about these religious elites. I'm talking about these scribes, these Pharisees that are here judging Jesus, talking about him, but not helping him to, to uh, fulfill his mission. Right, you know, they questioned uh, Jesus. They questioned John's motives and and his agenda. Right, they didn't get on board with his ministry. Right? They had a lot of questions, uh, but they weren't uh, they weren't helping him out. All right, Mark chapter one and verse six tells us that you know his clothes, John the Baptist, his his clothes were made of of camel's hair, and and he wore a leather a leather belt around his waist. Right? And uh, that was the, the girdle of skin that was about his, his loins, the Bible says. Um, and he, he only drank water, and we, t we read it, uh, that he ate locusts and from the, 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 the wilderness and the desert. Well, he gathered the locusts <laughs> from the desert, and wild honey he scooped from the hollow of trees. Right? And he, he lived in the wilderness, separated and set apart. Now... With with all that, with all that in the description of 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 John the Baptist here, wrapped in camel's hair and and coming out of the wilderness and eating locusts and 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 honey from the trees, you know, 
it's uh you know we're all spiritual in here you know some more spiritual than others um but if we were honest this morning you know if someone resembling that image were to walk in these back doors right now <laughs> somebody would be wondering you know is there an usher on duty <laughs> what's going on in the vestibule today i mean do we have a security team? What is going on? What is up with Living Hope? All right, because if that guy, the door is busted open. Uh, hey, John. No, that's just Bo. That's just Bo. All right. <laughs> but if those doors open up and John the Baptist walked, or again, just somebody just fitting that image, it, it would definitely be a curiosity to, curiosity to us this morning. And it, it, it actually may be may be hard for us to receive, indeed, the message that he had for us. All right. It may indeed be hard for us to receive that. Man, I know I give the scribes and Pharisees a hard time. I do. But that's because they had the word, too. They could have looked at it. But it might, it might be a hard pill to swallow because we have the word, too. And I, I'm not going to lie. I'll be honest. If that person walked in today, I'd be a little, you know, I'm, I'm not going to admit it. I'm not the most spiritual. I'd be trying to figure out what was going on, too. All right. I would, in fact, be trying to figure out what was going on too, all right? But if you've been living this, um, this truth for any period of time, all right, it's, it's, it's easy to see and understand that, that the Lord, he does work, he does indeed work in um, it was wonderful and wondrous and maybe mysterious way. He does things his own way. And sometimes we don't always understand why he's doing the things he's doing and uh, why uh, the exact way and why people look the way they look or sound the way they sound or, you know, do the things that they do. But, but you just got to trust that God knows what he's doing. You got to trust that he's not worried about, you know, what someone looks like, right? He's not, he's not as concerned uh, about the outward appearance, right? He's, he's concerned about the, the content of their heart and, and the intent of their heart. That's, that's what he's concerned about because, you know, some of us, we'd be, if he was really worried about what we look like, some of us would be in a bad place. Right? Some of us would be in a bad place, but I'm glad this morning that he's not worried about what I look like. He's worried about what's in here. He's worried about my, my intent. In First in Samuel chapter 6, verse 7, First Samuel chapter 6, Verse 7, we, we see this, right? The Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or in the height of his stature, uh, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And we know the story. We're, we're at least uh, familiar with the story. You know, God was not looking for Eliab or Abinadab or Shammah. He wasn't looking for the older brothers of, of King David. He wasn't looking for, for them today. We find out a few um, verses later in, in verse 12, right, that it was indeed David who was to be the Lord's anointed. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 12, the Bible says, and, um, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a good countenance and, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now we know that David was in fact the one. David was in fact the one. And I'm so glad, and you're probably as glad and um, happy as I am, that, that God always knows what he's doing. Right? He, he's, again, we talked about it before, he's in control and under control, but he knows what he's doing. All right, even if we can't figure it out, we may be a little confused. We may at times be a little discombobulated, right? He knows what he's doing, right? That's, that's in our flesh and, and in our humanity that we experience those things. But, but no matter what we're feeling, right, and, and no matter what our flesh may be telling us and what we're going through, we just have to trust that God knows what he's doing, right? Because time and time again, he has, even in your own personal life, right? you're honest this morning in your own personal life, you can be honest and say that you've seen it in your own life, that he always knows what he's doing. Even those times when you said to yourself, he don't know what he's doing. Right? And then you step this way so you didn't get hit by lightning. <laughs> and 
And then he went ahead anyway because we talked about that. He wants to extend his grace. He wants to uh, cover us with that mercy. So, and, he, and he does that. And time and time again, you look back and you're like, oh, man. Whew, I'm so glad for that mercy. Mm. So glad for that mercy. All right. Because God always knows God always knows what he's doing, but he's not worried about what, what, what a thing looks like, right? He's not worried about what a person looks like. He's worried about that, that person's heart. He's worried about the heart of that man and, and that woman. And, and as John the Baptist looked, he's not even the first one to, to take on this fashion style and this look and this appearance. Because we go back, we go back and we look in the scripture, we find that, we find that there was one who came before him, looking quite similar to him, and the same way God used him also. And this man I speak of, and some of you are going to get it right away. It's not, I'm not trying to trick you. Um, this man, he opposed uh, Jezebel and, and King Ahab. You know, they wanted to worship Baal, and he stood against them in, in that. And he, if you remember, he blessed the, the widow woman and her oil and her flour. And because of him, her son was restored to life. And then there was a the whole thing with all these 450 prophets and, you know, calling down fire from heaven. And he was a part of that too. And he prayed down rain over Jerusalem. Right? And then it's pretty cool because this guy, he didn't die. You know, the Bible tells us that he was received up into heaven. There's a whirlwind and horses and chariots of fire. It was cool. And you know what I'm talking about, Elijah. You know I'm talking about Elijah. And in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8, uh, the Bible says, And they answered him, and he and, and and they answered him. He was a hairy man. Right? He was a hairy man. So not camel's hair, but very much a hairy man. And he was girt with a girdle, sound familiar, of leather about his loins. The Bible says, and they said it is Elijah the Elijah the Tishbite. So John the Baptist wasn't, wasn't the first to, to take on this appearance uh, that we read about in Mark. So was Elijah. And again, it's not about what we look like. Uh, that's not going to stop God from, from working in us. Right? That's not going to uh, stop God from, from using us. All right, so it doesn't matter how, all right, because God used these men. So it doesn't matter how, all right, or from whom you hear the call to repentance from. Right? It does not matter what their style or their presentation is. Not even the method. Right? Not even the method of delivery is that important. The only thing that is of any consequence is the fact that it's, it's God's will for us to first hear the call to repentance and then subsequently that we answer. That we answer the call to repentance. Right? We hear the call and then we answer the call. Repentance prepares the way of the Lord because just like in the case of John the Baptist, repentance comes first. It's the forerunner. It was the first word in the preaching of John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 3 verse 1 says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was the first word in the preaching of Jesus. Find this in Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 14. The Bible says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Verse 15 says, And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. It was the first word, again, we're talking about repentance, in the preaching of the 12 disciples, we find this Mark chapter 6, verse 12. The Bible says, and they went out and preached that man should repent. And finally, it was the first word, uh, not finally, it was the first word of exhortation on the day of Pentecost. And we're familiar with this. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And now finally. It was the first word in the preaching of Paul in Acts chapter 26, verse 19. The Bible says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout the coasts, uh, all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet 
for repentance. John the Baptist is known from his comments about Jesus and interaction with Jesus that he made it very clear. He made it very clear that, that Jesus was, in fact, superior to him. Right? He, made that, he made that very clear. John the Baptist consistently pointed um, those who followed him to, to Jesus. You know, John knew that his own ministry was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Right? And we find that in John chapter 1, beginning at verse 19, the Bible says, And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Art thou um, Elijah? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one, crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. He also knew, right, he also knew, speaking of John the Baptist, that uh, Jesus was the promised Messiah who would take away the sin of the world and baptize those who believed on him with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 1, verse 29. Yep, chapter 1, verse 29. The Bible says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. For you and I in this room and, and everyone outside the room, so that's everybody, who is preparing, right, for the coming of the Lord. Everyone who counts himself to be preparing for the coming of the Lord, it is, it is necessary, right, it's, it's vital that we, we first repent, this is always the first step for those who wish to see the salvation of God. And Luke 3 and 6 says that and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So the first point was answering the call to repentance. It prepares the way of the Lord. And I just have one more point this morning all right, in reference to answering the call to repentance. It's all about it's fulfilling God's plan. All right. So answering the call to repentance is fulfilling God's plan. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast in the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtalim by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region of shadow of death, light is sprung up. Finally, verse 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Verse 14 of the text we just read, so Matthew 4 and 14, referenced the, the prophet Isaiah and his prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Bible says that, um, nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her uh, vexation or distress. When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously affect her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in the Galilee of, of nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, that they dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them that hath, upon them hath the light shined. A few verses later in chapter 9, verse 6, there's a more familiar passage of Scripture. Right? The Bible says here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, 
the prince of peace and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this so this connection between Isaiah's Galilee of, of Gentiles, and when we read in Matthew, it referred to as Galilee of Gentiles. And then when we read in Isaiah, it was uh, referred to as the Galilee of, of nations. Um, so this connection between the Galilee of, of Gentiles and David's throne right, and kingdom in Isaiah 9 and 7 demonstrates that Jesus' message was not intended for the Jewish community of Israel only, but it was also for the Gentiles. Whether Jew or Gentile, the message of repentance is introductory. It comes after believing in Jesus for access to him. In other words, sorrow for sins alone does not open the door to God's kingdom. Repentance is required. It must be repentance that comes because of hearing and believing the gospel message. So Acts chapter 2, verse 37, where the Bible says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Right, we read it before. We're going to read it again. Acts chapter 2, 38 says, And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Right, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance is not simply a suggestion talked about this earlier, is God's universal command. When Paul visited Athens, he pointed out the pervasive idolatry right, and declared that God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And after announcing this universal nature of the command to repent, Paul informed those who heard him that God had appointed a day in which he would judge the world. And see it here, Acts chapter 17, beginning of verse 30. The Bible says, And the times of ignorance, of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Those who refuse, those who refuse to repent, the Bible says they shall perish. And we find that in, in the word of God. It's in uh, the gospel of Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. The Bible says there were present at that season some that told them of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? Verse 5, Jesus says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And if we don't repent, we're going to perish. And that's the word. When we obey this universal command to repent and experience baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, we have the promise of forgiveness and the additional gift of the Holy Spirit. The command to repent is given because Jesus loves us, right? And he wants us all to experience this joy of salvation. Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, it says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, Will I grant to sit with, sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Repent ye therefore, and be ye converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. 
Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which thus so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the rate that is the race, the race that is set before us. Uh, we, we cannot lay aside the burden and weight of sin without repentance. It is vital, vital that we seek the Lord's forgiveness. His, his plan, his entire plan, right, uh, for our success and, and our salvation begins with, with our repentance. It begins with, with our contrition, with our remorse, our, our sorrow, or our regret for the past sins. Right? We're not created in the image of God to spend our lives in, in, the, in bondage, in the bondage and guilt of shame, guilt and shame of our past sin. Right? I don't want to read that again because it didn't come out the way I wrote it. We were not created in the image of God to spend our lives in bondage to the guilt and shame of our past sins. Yeah, that sounded a lot better. Sounded a lot better. Right? We, we weren't created in this image for that. Right? That's not our purpose in this place. It's not our purpose in this place. And you can stand with me this morning. I, I'm, I'm concluding here. I have one final scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 6, the Bible says, Humble yourselves therefore unto the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We spoke earlier about the coming, about coming to God right, um, in humility and, and in honesty, all right, when we answer this call to repentance. When we repent, that's what we're doing. We're, we're casting our cares upon him, all the weights, all that sin. We, we read about it in Hebrews that easily besets us and causes us to go astray. He, he takes those cares right, upon, himself, upon himself and he offers us forgiveness right, and, and, and new life, right? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he loves us. Right? He cares for us. He wants that best life for us. Let's lift our hands right now. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.